Praise God, One Church. I am, I tell you, I'm peacock proud and hyena happy to be here with y'all today, I tell you. And um, thank God for Pastor Conway uh, and his amazing wife, uh, Pastor Jada. Um, I, I appreciate their spirit um, because they're such sacrificial leaders. Um, they have sacrificed their time to leave Texas and be in Florida this weekend. Oh, what a sacrifice. Um, some would might say suffering for the kingdom of God. Like, yeah, let's, let's start a church in Florida so I can go there to preach. Um, makes me want to call my church and say, let's start a campus in Hawaii. Let's go. They need Jesus over there in Honolulu. Uh, let's take the gospel out there. No, I thank God for Pastor Conway. Can we give it up for Pastor Conway and the amazing pastoral staff and team. The book of Exodus is where you find me this morning. Exodus chapter 32. Begin reading at verse 1. Exodus chapter 32. Begin reading verse 1 and I'll go to verse 4. Um, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down. Everybody say, so long. Uh, so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your grace towards us. Now, Father, would you speak, O Lord? Your children have gathered to listen. Tune our ear to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience all that you have for us. God, it's to that end that I ask now that you stand in my body, think with my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you would have us say, know, and do. Father, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. Oh Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Get glory in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I live in Southern California now, and by the way, I want to apologize for all the Californians that have moved into Texas and raised your real estate prices. Um, my bad. Um, however, some of them are reconsidering coming back after their first summer in Texas. They're like, uh, Lord, y'all ain't tell us about this. Um, but I, I grew up in Mississippi, 
um, and moved to California about 17 years ago. Me and my wife, we moved to California. We had no kids when we moved out there. Uh, first two weeks in California, uh, my wife got pregnant. We had no cable or internet, and that's just kind of what happened. Uh, so now we got a 17-year-old daughter, 15-year-old daughter, 11-year-old son, and a 5-year-old son. Uh, we almost named him Tequila. Uh, I'm just, uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so we, but but I'm so I'm raising California kids, but I got I'm I'm still framed and nurtured in my Mississippi roots. You know what I mean? Like like my like my mom and my grandmother had just a gift of hospitality. Like my grandmama's house was designed for hospitality. As a matter of fact, she had a whole room set aside that you couldn't even go in until you was about 25 years old. You couldn't even go up in there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it had a room that you couldn't even go in. Usually this room was marked with a couch that was preserved in plastic. Come on in here, somebody. Oh, come on, don't do that to me. Can I get a plastic couch witness up in here? Y'all, I'm, I'm telling you, this couch, 100 years old, still fresh to death inside. You know what I'm saying? Like, and if there's, a, if there's a crack in the plastic, what you do? You take some tape and tape up the preservation. Worst thing you want to do is ever fall asleep on that couch. That plastic, your whole side, your whole face, which as when you wake up, you be like, you fell asleep on that couch, didn't you? Yeah. Take you two days for your face to bounce back. Not only did they have this room, but y'all remember the exclusive table? Y'all remember being at the kids' table? Like, you couldn't, like, it was cool until you was 18. Then you was like, can I get released from this table, please? Because now I'm just babysitting, you know what I mean? It's, it's amazing. Um, generous hospitality with, ex with closed-off rooms and exclusive tables. When I think about Jesus and the generous invitation that he br brings us in the spirit of hospitality that Jesus has where all are welcome, all can come, come to the table where the feast of the Lord is going on. However, as I experience Christian culture um, and how Jesus has called us to this great scale of hospitality, but in Christian culture, there's great hospitality, but I've discovered that with us, there are closed-off rooms and exclusive tables. There are places where, as a good Christian, you just, you just shouldn't go there, just shouldn't go in that room. And these rooms are usually marked with unbelief and doubt. Two places that, that you... A good Christian just don't go in those rooms. You just, you just don't go in those rooms because if you are a good Christian, you don't ever struggle with unbelief and you don't ever struggle with doubt. But the reality is we all do. And the problem is because it's so abnormal and it's so not embraced that when we have doubt, when we have unbelief, and when we also have faith, we struggle with what to do with it because the room marked with unbelief and doubt, we can't go in there because good Christians don't go in that room.
But the reality is, it hits many of us. And unfortunately, then it puts us in a posture to where we got to fake it till we make it, which is never a good idea with faith because faith can't be faked. But there are moments when my reality of my real life doesn't match the faith I profess. So what do I do with the gap? And we create a culture where we just got to look like and act like our belief is strong and our doubts are absent. But what do you do when life hits you and you find yourself with doubts about God's goodness? What do you do when you find yourself struggling with belief and faithfulness? See, we, see we, we, we know what to do and we testify all the time about when God showed up just in time. We testify all the time. Oh, we can sing them songs. We can shout that word. I needed God Tuesday by 1 o'clock, and he showed up Tuesday at 12.55. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I needed the tumor to, to, to shrink, and I went to the doctor, and y'all, the tumor was gone. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. The bill was due, and I didn't have no money, but all of a sudden, I just got a check in the mail, and God made a way. I don't know. We know those songs. We know those testimonies. We know those moments my question is what do you do when you needed him Tuesday at one o'clock and now it's Friday at 7 p.m. and you've heard nothing what do you do when you needed the tumor to shrink or go away and you went back and they said the tumor's gotten bigger what 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 do you do when when you needed the money to pay the bill and now the lights are off See, we know what to do when he's on time, but what do you do when he's hard to find? What do you do in those moments when he doesn't make sense? What do you do with the God who goes off script and goes his own way? What do you do with the God that doesn't follow your to-do list, I mean your prayer list? What do you do with the God that, that does his own thing despite your desire and despite your will? What do you do with a disobedient God? God who refuses to go your way because of his fierce resolve for his way. See, we don't like to go in this room. We don't like to go there, but there are moments when you see God heal somebody else from cancer, but he couldn't heal your mama. You see God save somebody else's child, but I have to bury mine? What do you do with God when we struggle? See, I, I, love, I love the guy in the Gospels, this father who had a son who was tormented by demons. Jesus sees his boy, looks at him, and says, do you believe? Implication, if you believe, I'll heal your boy. I love what the man says. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Didn't he just say two different things? Like, is it me or did he just contradict himself? How are you going to say you believe, but I don't believe? The story would unfold and it would show that this boy had been tormented by demons. And this father had to watch these demons toss his boy in fire. 
and bring him out. Toss him and just torture him. And as a father, he could do nothing. So what he's saying to Jesus, he says, I believe. But I've seen some stuff. I've been through some stuff that's caused me to question your goodness. Because what I saw them do to my boy wasn't good. And I had to wrestle with that. So yeah, I believe, but I've seen some things that's caused me to doubt. I've been through enough hell that's caused me to have more questions in this season than I do answers in this season. So I believe, but I got some unbelief. Am I talking to anybody in this room? There are moments when you struggle. And he says, so he says, I've got doubts. And see, the problem is we think that doubt disqualifies our faith. We think that doubt is a, is, is, is a result of no faith. But I would argue doubt is an indicator that you, in fact, have faith. It's evidence that you do have faith. Doubt does not threaten your, your, your faith. So we think doubt somehow threatens God or, or it makes God. Let me tell you something. God ain't in heaven freaking out because you got doubts and questions. He ain't like, oh, Lord, surely got doubts. Y'all, what we going to Gabriel, Paul, Peter, y'all come help us, Shirley, asking me a question that I don't think I'm going to be able to answer. Oh, Mufasa, Ooh, say it again, Mufasa, oh, Lord. He ain't scared of you. He ain't threatened by you. He ain't, he is not petty. Watch this. The fact that you got doubts is a result of you actually having faith. Atheists don't believe in God at all. So you'll never hear an atheist say, man, I, I just got doubt. They don't have doubts because they don't have belief. You, in order to have a doubt, you actually first have to have a belief. So an atheist ain't going to be like, man, I'm struggling with God. Atheist is going to be like, God does not exist at all. So the fact that you got doubts means that you're struggling with a belief. And the fact that you still got belief means that you got faith. So doubt is an evidence that you actually have faith. You actually have faith. Here, and here's the deal. The best way to wrestle with God is with God. You get to wrestle with him. I think we should approach doubt like Thomas approached doubt. I, we should doubt like Thomas doubted. Doubt, Thomas, Thomas get a bad rap. As a matter of fact, how they going to put his sin in front of his name? They call him Doubting Thomas. Ain't that a trip? <laughs> Ain't that something else? Like they don't call Ly, Lion Lisa, you know what I mean? Or Stillin' Steve, you know what I'm saying? Can you imagine if they put their sin, if, they, if people put your sin in front of your name? Lord, what they, what they going to call you? Let's pass the mic. What they... Y'all like, uh-uh, and no. They call him Doubting Thomas. Here's the thing. They, ex they expose themselves, though, because the Gospels, in the Gospels, when they tell their story, they give a snapshot in Jesus in his resurrected body. A couple of disciples had seen him, and they come back, and Thomas was like, yeah, nah, I don't believe it. So Thomas just shut it down. He's like, I don't believe it. But 
they talk about him as if he was the only one with doubts. But when they talk about the disciples together in the room, when they actually calling out Thomas, the Bible literally says they were all gathered in the room and the door was locked. My thing is, if Thomas is the only one with doubts, why the door locked? Why y'all up in here with the door locked if y'all ain't scared? You know what I mean? Y'all all scared with the door locked. They like, lock the door. And then be like, Thomas, you the only one. Like, what? No, Thomas wasn't the only one with doubts. He was the only one that had the courage to say his doubts out loud. What I'm saying is it's okay to have doubts. Just say it out loud. Tell the truth about where you are. I love not only the fact that he said it out loud, that he confessed it and says, hey, I got doubts. But I love where he doubted. He doubted in community with the disciples. They doubt it together. Most of us, when we have doubts, we feel like we need to leave the church. That ain't the time when you leave the church. That's when you come to the church. When you have doubts, when you're struggling with unbelief, come on up in here. Sit on the third row and say, I don't believe half that song. <laughs> Point two and three of the sermon, I don't even believe it. I doubt all of that. Come on, bring your doubts to community. How you going to leave the church and then go process your doubts with God, with your weed-smoking friends on Sundays? Like, that ain't right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to get revelation from them. Yeah, bro. I mean, like, that's a love seat. Like, that means to sit there is love. What? Shut up. Like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. What are you talking about? No, that ain't the time to go check out with them. Come check out with them. Bring your weed friends to church. And I see some of y'all like, I did this Sunday. Praise the Lord. I'm glad y'all here. I'm from California, y'all. Pray for me. I, just, uh, I, I, I love where he doubted. He doubted in community. And I love how he doubted. Watch this. He doubted looking for Jesus. He doubted. <laughs> Thomas a trip. Thomas said, I don't believe it. And he said, as a matter of fact, in order for me to believe it, I'm going to need to see the, the nail print in his hands. Ain't he something? And look, and look, he didn't even need one piece of evidence. He wanted two receipts. He said, I'm going to need to see the nail in his hand and in the side. I'm going to need to see both of them. I'm going to need to see both of them. In my spiritual imagination, I imagined angels came to minister to Jesus and kind of putting his crucified body together for his glorified body. And they're ministering and putting pieces back together. And they get to the hole in his hand. And Jesus is like, no, 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 leave that. It's like, Jesus, why you want to leave a hole in your hand? And he was like, Thomas. Y'all know Thomas. Thomas going to need to see this hole. As a matter of fact, open this one up on the side back up. He's going to need to see both of these because y'all know how he is, Right? I love it. So he goes to Thomas and he says, Thomas, come here. Come on. Rush around and stick your finger right here uh, in, the, in, the, in the head. And come on, come on on the side. Come on, come on. Stay. You see it? You like it? You, you, you okay now? I love it because what he says is, Thomas, not only you come, but bring your doubts with you because I left a grace for your doubts. I left a way for your doubts. Can I tell somebody today, Jesus says, come on, with your doubts and all, with your unbelief and all, come on. See, because there are times, y'all, when God's just hard to understand. 
And I don't need you walking around with an empty faith thinking that I just got to act like I understand because I'm just supposed to. No, come in this room with this plastic couch and sit down and say, God, you don't make sense to me. There are things that you got going in my life. I don't understand. See, because here's the thing. God didn't cause it. But he allowed it. Come on. In his sovereignty, he allowed it. So we can say, God didn't do that. But God sat back and he, he allowed that. And there are times, although God, I believe you, but what you're allowing in my life, I don't understand you. And that doesn't, that doesn't show a weak faith. It shows an honest faith. And I think some of us have sacrificed an honest faith to settle for a weak's faith. And you get to lament. You get to look up to heaven and say, what are you doing? You get to say, bro, really? Like, I don't know how y'all talk to God. I get a little, you know, me and God a little rough. I have to be careful because he, he'll be Old Testament Jesus and just strike me down and be like, all right, Nick, Negro, just going to go to hell. Just going to go to hell. I mean, like. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said. He, um, but what I've understood and what I've learned about God in my journey, um, and this messed with me, and I'm only telling you so it can mess with you too. <laughs> Could it be that God, see, because I don't know about you, but I got problems, and I want answers. Even in my journal, I write the problem, and I leave a blank and say, Jesus, I'm just waiting on you to answer. I, some, some of y'all got a list of just, just ready to check off the box. I'm just waiting on God to answer one, two, and three. As a matter of fact, when people give prayer requests, you be like, I can email your mind. I got them all listed out, and I'm just waiting on these answers. What I've discovered is could it be that God is way less interested in my answers than I could ever imagine. Can I say that again? Could it be, watch this, and you're not going to like this, that God is way less interested in the answers to your prayers than you could ever imagine. He just may not be that into providing your answer. I was never a good student. Um, and I hated math, and I was terrible at math. As a matter of fact, when I went to Bible college, I took the book of numbers, and that was my math requirement for the rest. I said, that's all you get, Jack. That's all you, that's all, that's the only numbers you're going to get out of me, Right? So I remember being in elementary school and just struggling to do math, just struggling with my math, just struggling with my math. And y'all, I never forget it. I still remember the day when my book opened up to the back. <laughs> and the answers to the problems was all in the back of the book. Ain't nobody ever told me that. So the answers was right there in the back of the book. Child, my homework 
went to another level. I started killing it at school. As a matter of fact, the first week, Miss Sanders said, uh, Albert, can I see you after class? I said, yes, ma'am, Miss Sanders, because that's what A students do. They hang with the teacher after class. See y'all on the playground. I'm hanging with Miss Sanders. Ms. Sanders says, Albert, I've noticed your homework has gone to another level. I say, yes, ma'am, Ms. Sanders. In many ways, it's an, a, a tribute to your tutelage over me. Ms. <laughs> Sanders, you're just doing a great job. You're doing a great job. And she says, well, thank you, Albert, but I noticed that you have the right answers, but, but I also noticed that you you failed to show your work. I said, huh? She says, she says, Albert, it may surprise you to know while the right answer is appropriate, I am much more interested in your process and your work Because it is in your process and in your work that I'm able to see your level of comprehension concerning the dynamic of the problem. The right answer is one thing, but if I can see your work and if you have the right comprehension and the right journey to the right answer, then I understand that you now know the fullness of this mathematical problem. Y'all, if you get it early, I won't have to preach as long. I'm telling you, God is saying it ain't about the answer, it's about the process. It's about the journey that we get to go on. It's about your comprehension of my goodness and my steadfastness in this season. Can you understand that I'm with you every step of the way? Can you comprehend that we ain't got to wait till the battle is over to shout because we can shout right now because I I'll be a shelter in the time of storm. Can I get a witness up in here? Anybody know him to be a shelter right in the middle of the storm? Some of you are waiting on the answer and God is saying the answer is right here because I am the I am and I am the answer. Can I get a Dorothy and Wizard of Oz witness up in here? Can you click your heels three times and say home was with you all the time? He said, I'm with you all the time. He says, so some of you waiting on the answer. And while you're waiting on the answer, you're missing the process. You're missing the journey. Watch this. You're missing my presence. Because this answer you ain't got to wait on. You're waiting on your situation to change. But the answer is already here. You're trying to get out of the storm and God says, I'm trying to get you to bring me in it. Because you will see deliverance in a whole new way. Sometimes he gets you out the fire. And then other times he comes in the fire with you. Either way, you won't get burned. God is saying, you're so fixated on the answer. And he's saying, I'm already here. The answer don't come when the situation change. The answer is revealed when you change. And you open up your eyes and see, God, you're right here with me. You've never left me or forsaken me. 
So let me see your glory now, God. Let me see your glory in, in my broken marriage. God, can I see your glory now? Can you give me a peace that passes all understanding? Even though the situation isn't resolved, my mind can be resolved with the peace that passes all understanding. So he says, I'm after something greater in you. So what do you do with the disobedient God? What do you do with a God that goes off script? If you're the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 32, you replace him. You replace him. They literally say God is taking too long. He's taking too long. And, and, and before we be too judgmental on them, what do you do when he takes too long? Oh, come on. Don't look at me like God ain't ever took too long. Some of you, some of you single now and you're saying, God, you're taking too long. And look, some of y'all married saying, God, you're taking too long. We're going to pray for both of y'all. Watch this. He's taking too long. They literally, he literally says to Aaron, make us another God. One, watch this, that we can push around and manipulate. And Aaron, watch what Aaron does. He says, he tells them to reach for their gold. Huh. They, they reach for gold. But they were longing for God. But they reached for gold. Which begs the question, what are you longing for and what are you reaching for? And do you know the difference between the two? Because we're longing for God, but sometimes God just takes too long. And we reach for something else. We're longing for intimacy, but we reach for pornography. We're, we're longing for comfort, but we reach for Hennessy. Did it, did it just get real? Did it just get real? Oh, that thing got real. She was like, uh-huh, woo, ha, Some of you stuffing Altoids in your mouth right now. Because you're burping Hennessy from last night. It's no judgment. It's no shame. We all, we, hey, listen, let me tell you something. We all reaching for something. And my thing is you got to pay attention to it. Because when God seems distant and far, what you, you're really longing for him, but you fill the gap with cheap counterfeits. You, you fill the gap with cheap counterfeits. Because listen, 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 listen. You're longing for comfort, but you're reaching for Hennessy or pills or edibles, hello and here's somebody, watch this, because you want the comfort now. But the problem is, it'll never satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. It'll never satisfy you. That's why you have to keep going back to it. When the Spirit says, I'm here to comfort you, and I can comfort you in a way that fills you to where you never have to thirst again, but you got to trust me, you got to be on my timetable. So what are, you, what are you reaching for? What are you, what are you grabbing? Where did they even get this from? Where did this even come from? It came from Egypt. Egypt uh, dealt with, 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 uh, with, with plural, uh, pluralism 
in the sense of they would have multi-gods. It was always multi-gods. They had a god for some of everything. So this idea of having just one god would have been culturally weird. It just would have been weird. They would have been seen in Egypt, in, in, in their cultures, like, y'all just got one god? That's crazy. Like, like that, it, it would be seen as weird. So in Egypt, they would just have many, many gods. So the first time, although God had brought them out, out of Egypt miraculously, the first time God was distant or God didn't meet their expectations or God took to, too long, they immediately went back to their Egypt ways. In the time of crisis, they went back to what was familiar instead of trusting the one who had been faithful. Some of us in our time of crisis, we go back to what's familiar. Johnny, Johnny ain't good, he just familiar. Hello, somebody. Y'all like, we got so much history together now, y'all just got so much familiarity together. What do, you, what do you grab that's familiar? It's crazy. They had come up out of Egypt, but Egypt hadn't quite come up out of them. And, and y'all, it happens to me all the time, Egypt would just rise up. Egypt, Egypt would just come up in you. you. You just be driving, all of a sudden somebody pull in front of you, and Egypt just come up. Be like, Lord. Jesus, Egypt just came up. You'd be like, walk like an Egyptian. Like, well, like, where did that come from? And then we just stand faithful, and all of a sudden just Egypt comes up. And my thing is you just got to pay attention to the Egypt that's still in you. Oh, Otis, come here. Help me out with this. It's, it's like this. It's like this chair is, is my life. And Otis, you represent God. I want you to be enthroned on my life. So God, be in charge of my life, be enthroned in my life, and I bow at you in my life. You are worthy of it all. You're just worthy that got the hair and everything for Jesus, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, Jesus, lead my life. Lord, I'm just so, Jesus, my life is going so good. Ever since I put you in charge, it's just been going so great. God, thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness. We just make a good team, Jesus. Oh, Lord, my job, Lord, Lord, my boss want to see me. Lord, Jesus, what the, what the, oh, I've been doing good. I'm getting a promotion. I got, I got, I'm getting insurance. Oh, praise the Lord. Lord, you are just the provider. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You just be working it out. Jireh, you are enough. You are just so good, God. Oh, oh Lord, the doctor, Lord, the doctor. I got I got a, I got a growth. Lord, what? I got, oh, it's not cancerous. Oh, it's just an outpatient surgery. One day, praise the Lord. God, you're such a healer, God. You're just, oh, Lord, you're just making ways out of no ways, God. Just so good. God, I'm tired of, I'm tired of being single, Lord. I need a wife. But hold on. Let me pick her out first. Lord. Sheila, Lord, Sheila, 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 meet Jesus, Jesus, meet Sheila, because y'all ain't never met before. Um, Lord, would you bless me and Sheila, Lord? Would you help us, Lord? Oh, me and Sheila getting along, Lord. She, I'm falling in love with Sheila, Lord. I'm, I'm proposing to Sheila, Lord. We're going to get married. Lord, would you bless our marriage, Lord? Oh, Lord, Sheila crazy, Jesus. I rebuke Sheila in the name of Jesus, Lord. Get away, Jesus. Get away, Lord. Sheila crazy.
Thank you, Elvis. Hey, I'm just telling you, Egypt would just come up. Egypt would come up. You see how inconsistent we can be with God? You see how quickly we are to replace him? We said God be enthroned, and before we even get to the house, we didn't dethroned him and we back on it again. We didn't give, give, gave up anxiety this morning, and by the night, we didn't put it back on and wear it in like a coat. How do we stay consistent? David helps us in Psalm 27. Psalm 27, 4, mark this down. Underline it in your Bible. Take it and read it, memorize it. David says, one thing have I desired. And that, watch this, will I seek after, that would I reach after. He says, now, the key is, God, help my hand to reach for the thing that I long for. God, what I long for in my heart, may I reach for in my hand. Father, may I fix my eyes on you. Watch this. He says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Watch this. And gaze upon his beauty. Gaze upon his beauty. Our five-year-old, when he was born, he was born with delayed development. Um, so he had like a floppy body. We would eventually discover that he has autism. Um, but he couldn't, motion was just late, so he couldn't, um, he couldn't, he couldn't reach and pick up toys. So we, we would have to, we would take a toy and like put it right there in front of his hand, but he, he just didn't, he couldn't reach for it. So we went to a physical therapist and we're in the physical therapist and we're showing him how, see, doc, we, we, we put it right there, but he just, he just won't reach. He just won't go for it. And the doctor, he took the toy. He says, okay, I think I got it. And he took the toy, and he put it, like, right here. And me and my wife was like, what is this dude doing? He don't know what he's doing. Like, this is what an HMO would get your child. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, what is he doing? Look, he got it, like, right here. And in 30 seconds, y'all, true story, 30 seconds, my boy just started reaching and he grabs it. And the doctor says, what you have to understand is they reach with their eyes before they reach with their hands. I guess what I want you to understand, if you got a problem with your hands, you probably got a problem with your eyes. Because you reach with your eyes first. So instead of paying attention to your hand, you got to ask yourself the question, where are my eyes? What am I looking at? And what I'm telling you, even in God's disobedience, keep your gaze on him. Keep your eyes on him, and you will begin to reach for where your eyes are at. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you look, if your eyes are on somebody else's life, you're going to keep reaching and grabbing insecurity. That, that's just what's going to happen. If your eyes is on greed, you're going to keep reaching, trying to grab more stuff, and you'll never be satisfied. Some of you got to check your eyes so that you might surrender your hands. I love it. Peter, Peter helps us with this. Remember that night they was in the boat, and uh, Jesus was out there walking on the water, but they didn't know it was Jesus at first. They thought it was a ghost. So, so they was like, who, who that out there? You know what I mean? And Jesus was like, it's me. And what I love about Peter is when Peter found out it was Jesus, Peter said, hey, hey, Jesus, if that's you, can I come out there? And Jesus was like, come on, Peter. And look, Peter got out the boat, 
and was walking on water. Uh, he was sea walking. Um, <laughs> so he walking on water. And look, when the winds and the waves came, he, he lost his focus. He got distracted. Anybody ever been there? You ever been walking right? And all of a sudden stuff happened and you get distracted? He got distracted and y'all, he sank. He went down. And then Jesus says, you, why didn't you have enough faith? And most of, most of the time we put that as a condemning tone. But I don't think he was condemning at all. I think he was speaking like a father to a son who would ask his son to do something impossible. Y'all know how we do dads. We put the toddler on top of the refrigerator and be like, jump, jump. Come on, jump to daddy. You know, the mama over there speaking in tongues about to die. Like, oh, Lord, Jesus, help my baby. And the, and the, the kid is, of course, like, uh, uh, uh. But a father would never chastise his kid seriously for not jumping. He'd say, boy, don't, I know I put you in an impossible situation to do something that's scaring you half to death. But I'm daddy, and I'm right here. And I never put you up that high if I didn't think I could catch you. So I'm going to catch you. Just jump. Oh, you should have believed me, boy. I think that's how he talked to Peter. He says, I know I asked you to walk on water, but you should have believed me. Now, come on. And he grabs him. Pastor Christian Washington, who's a friend of mine, we were sitting around talking, and he asked me a question, and I never thought about about this text. He, I never thought about this. But he said, you ever, thought, you ever wonder how they got back to the boat? Peter had walked out. Jesus was there and met him. And I don't think Jesus was like, I swim back. <laughs> you know what I think? I think Jesus grabbed Peter's hand and they walked back to the boat together. I guess, I guess here's the word and I'm in my seat. If you're here and you're discouraged or if you've been distracted or if you've been knocked down or if you just downright failed and you're sinking in the water, I'm telling you, you got a heavenly father that has come and he's saying, give me your hand and let me walk you back to purpose. Let me walk you back to faith. Let me walk you back to your destiny. Listen, let me tell you something. What do you do with a disobedient God? Above all else, you trust him because he will walk you right back to where you were been meant to be. Walk you right back to purpose. I don't know about you, but it's like the young folks say, it's the walk back for me. He's walking me back to peace. He's walking me back to joy. He's walking me back to love. It's the walk back for me. He's walking me back to my purpose. He's walking your marriage back. He's walking your children back. If you believe in God to walk you back in this season, I dare you to praise him right now and start taking steps. He's walking me back. He's walking me back to my purpose. He's walking me back to his plan. He's walking me back. It's the walk back for me. Give him glory.